Happy Sabbath. Sabbath. Alright, welcome to another Sabbath school. Um, uh, uh, we're, we're happy to have our brother T with us this morning. And um, T, welcome. Welcome. And um, by God's grace, we can have a grand fellowship in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. So T is no stranger, at least not to those of us who work with him. So feel free to speak to him and talk to him. Where, where is Aiden? Okay. All right. Aiden. All right. So let us, uh, as usual, we open always with a uh, silent word of prayer. Shall we reverently kneel for Amen. All right, so this morning, um, I'm going to, you know, we've been teaching reform lines for a long time. Amen? Amen. And um, uh, I praise God because the Lord has given, uh, uh, opened up a short, showed a way in how to prove the reform line from the scriptures, specifically in the sanctuary. Okay? Because we know that the sanctuary is the gospel in, in, in miniature. Amen? Amen? All right. So, by God's grace, I'll try to be slow and methodical. And, um, yeah, feel free to ask questions. It's Sabbath school. Um, make a point. I'll try to moderate it as much as possible. But, by God's grace, we can get to an understanding. I'm not certain I'm going to be finishing these notes because there's a lot of thoughts that can come from it. And I don't want to bury thoughts, okay? Um, the more thoughts, the better to some extent, and, and we can all um, improve our, our, our knowledge in these things. Amen? Amen? All right. Psalm 73 and verse 13, the Bible says, Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Is in the sanctuary. So we're going to go through the sanctuary, and we're going to show how uh, much of the stuff that we have been teaching is, is there in, in the sanctuary, in the scriptures. Right, and it's taught by the, 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 the sanctuary. All right, so let's go to Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 1. In Hebrews chapter 9, Paul is breaking down, the, Paul is giving a breakdown of the sanctuary. He says, Then verily, the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service uh, and a what? Worldly a worldly sanctuary. He's speaking about the sanctuary that God gave to Moses. Amen? For there was a tabernacle made, the first, wherein was the? candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is called the? So this is the first apartment of the sanctuary. Right, we know we have three articles in there, the candlestick, the altar, the table, the showbread. Amen. And he says, and after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all. In other words, the most holy place, which had the golden censer, the Ark of the Covenant, overlaid around about with gold, wherein was the gold, golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that budded, and the tables of the covenant, and over it the cherubims of glory showing the mercy seat, of which we cannot now speak particularly. Now when these things were thus ordained, the priests had went always into the what? Into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. This is the daily work. Amen? Amen. 
All right. But into the second, when the high priest alone, how often? Once a year. Without, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of his people. This is the day of atonement. All right. There's a one day he goes in the tenth day of the seventh month to cleanse the sanctuary. Amen. The Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest was holiest of all, was not yet made manifest while the what? While the first tabernacle was yet standing. Yet standing. Now Paul changes it up, and now he says the first tabernacle, even though he said the holy place is the first tabernacle, in this text he's referring to the entire tabernacle. Because the one in heaven couldn't be set up until what? The one on earth was taken away. This is what he's saying here, right? That the way to the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was standing, right? It doesn't make sense that he's saying the most holy place wasn't opened up while the holy place was standing because the holy place is never destroyed. Everyone's follow? The holy place is never destroyed. So it would make sense that he's speaking about... He now switches from the apartments to the sanctuary itself, all right? Then he says, which was a figure for the time then present, in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience, which stood only in meats and drinks and diverse washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until when? Until the time of reformation. So how long would it have the earthly sanctuary? Until the time of what? Until the time of reformation. The old sanctuary stood still until God's people were reformed. And once they were reformed, where did Christ take, where did Christ take them? Into the heavenly sanctuary. Amen? God's people needed a reformation to be able to go into the heavenly sanctuary. Everyone's following? All right. So let's, go, let's look at the word reform. From that text, it comes from the Strong's word, uh, G1357. It means to straighten thoroughly, re re uh, rectification. That is spe specifically the messianic restoration. So the restoration of the sanctuary must be done by whom? By the Messiah, right? So when Christ came to earth, he was coming to do what? To restore, to reform, right? So his whole life was a life of what? Reformation. Amen? All right. So let's continue. In the, in the dictionary, the 1828, uh, to reform means uh, an amendment of what is defective, uh, vicious, corrupt, or depraved. In the other one, verb intransitive, and intransitive uh, as, as I understand it, it means something that has been done within you, the individual, right? Transitive is in general, right? It's, it's opposite? No, I don't think so. In transitive. Okay. Don't, look, in, in transitive, to abandon that which is evil or? Who does that work? The person. Yeah, that's intransitive. It has to deal with the person. Okay? And it says, and return to a good state. And, and the other one, which is transitive, it means to change from worse to better, to amend, to correct, to restore to a former good state. That could be anything. Right? 
anything, like a house, amen, uh, a car, right? Anything. So to restore something is to reform it. Amen? All right. And then it says, the second one is to change from good, from bad to good. So Christ came to change something from bad to good. He came to restore it from evil, uh, uh, that which is corrupt, to something that, to a good state. He came to take it from a defective state, right, to a, 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 a useful state, so to speak. Amen? All right, so let us continue onwards. Let's go to 1 Corinthians. Paul supports that. 1 Corinthians 15, 42, Paul says, So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown how? Bad state. Amen? It is raised how? In incorruption. Good state. This is the restoration. Amen? Death and? Resurrection. Amen. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown in the natural body. It is raised in a spiritual body. There is a what? No. The bowl only. There is a what? Yeah, you don't have to read the word body. There is a natural. And what's the next one? There is a spiritual. So Paul tells us restoration is going from natural to Spiritual. The sanctuary on earth was natural, right? And the one that Christ is restoring, the one that Christ really wants to restore is spiritual. Amen? We cannot go to that sanctuary. How do we go there? By faith, through the Spirit, in, in, in our prayers, in our study, and our thoughts. Amen? All right, so Paul's telling us there. And then, verse 45 says, And so it is written, the first man, what? Adam was made a? Living soul, the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. So the first Adam was natural, and the last Adam was, was spiritual. Amen? All right. The first Adam fell. So what did the second Adam come to do? To restore, to reform. Amen? All right. Let us continue. But there is a time of reformation. That's what Paul says, right? He says the sanctuary stood until the time of? Reformation. So Galatians 4 gives us that time. Galatians 4 verses 1 to 5 says, Now I say that the heir, as long as, he's, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until when? Until the time appointed of the father. Is the time of reformation an appointed time? Yes, right? Then it says, Even so, when we were children, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent for whom? The restorer. Amen? He sent for his son, made of a woman, made under, made under the law. To do what? To redeem. When you redeem something, what are you doing? You're winning it back. You're also restoring it to its former position. Right? Redemption is to take someone from where they are and put them back to where they once were or where are their rightful place. Amen? All right. So I'm making the point that reformation begins when Christ switches from the natural to the spiritual. When he stopped using the natural sanctuary and opens up the spiritual sanctuary. Amen? All right. The first covenant. This, this was written by, um, I think it's Jane Loughborough. No, not Loughborough. What was the other guy? 
Uh, one, one of the pioneers, not Haskell. No, no, no earlier in, Ellen, in, in, in the Miller, Miller time. Andrews? Jane Andrews, yes. This was written by Jane Andrews, yes. He says, but there is a system of laws that does owe its origin to what? To sin. So once Adam sinned, there was a system of laws introduced. Yeah. Right? Then he says, that could have had no existence had not man become a transgressor. So before transgression, where was man's worship directed? To the heavenly sanctuary. Yeah. Right? But once sin came in, man took his thoughts from heaven and his thoughts is where now? In himself. Right? In earth. So now, man introduced a new set of laws. But that's, that's not God's laws. So what does God have to do for man? He has to restore him to his former position. Reform him so that he can direct his worship once more to the heavenly sanctuary. Amen? It says, The violation of the moral law was that which gave existence to the law of rites and ceremonies. And, sorry, the shadows of good things to come. There could be no sacrifices for sin until man became a what? A sinner. Right? No sin, no sacrificial system. So when Christ did the final sacrificial system, what was the only thing he could have taken away on the cross? The ceremonial system. Yeah. It's right here. If you follow it, the only thing he could have taken away was, because why? He's the second Adam, the one that have no sin. Mm -hmm. Right? He need not, if you're in Christ, you need not a ceremonial system anymore because Christ has no sin. Mm. Yes. Amen. Amen. And once, once he fulfilled that role, your mind should be directed where? That's why he went to heaven. So that you could go there with him. Right? He could have stayed on earth and saved earth, right? No, but man's all glory to the, to the Father. Amen? All right. So it says, In Eden, there could be no types and shadows pointing forward to the future redemption through... Uh, through the death of Christ, for man in his uprightness needed no such redemption. Because yeah, Christ said to the Pharisees, I, um, if you say you have no sin, yes. yeah, I, I'm saying wrong. It says, yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. If, if, if you say you see, then your sin remaineth. Yeah, 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 That's what he said, yeah. yes. If you, if you say you don't have any sin, then Christ is not. He said, not yes, not he says, I came not to, to save the righteous, yeah. right, but to bring sin. Amen. Let's go to the next quote. I'm going to just read the bold. Um, the first line says, When man had thus become a sinner, and God had promised the means of redemption, a second relation towards God was brought into existence. Alright? Now drop down to the bold part. The existence of such a code, therefore, is, a, is in consequence of sin. Its precepts are of a ceremonial nature, and its duration is necessarily limited by the great offering that could take away sin. For from the fall of Adam till the time of Moses, the typical system was what? Gradually developed and matured. And I want us to see that this is God's character. God is not this uh, arbitrary God who comes to you and be like, you should have known this, right? He gradually leads you to where you need to go, right? At first, Adam and Eve worshipped at the gates of Eden. Eden. After the flood, what did the Lord introduce? 
altars. That was a part of the... And then, and then it went to the, the, the wilderness, and what did he introduce? Then he introduced... So gradually, he led them along, right, to where he wanted them to be. But he was really gradually leading them to Christ. Yeah. Right? The whole point of it was to get to Christ. Each thing was a step. It was to teach you another... Uh, uh, to teach you uh, 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 another characteristic of Christ. Right? And by the time Christ come, you shouldn't have missed him. Right? Because all the characteristics were made plain to you. Right? So continuing on, it says, And from Moses' time until the death of our Lord, it, it existed as a shadow of good things to come. So the earthly sanctuary existed as a shadow of what was to, what was to come. The second covenant. It says, in the New Testament, we find a great antitype of all offerings and sacrifices, the real atonement as contrasted with the Levitical one. The death of our Lord Jesus Christ as the great sacrifice for sin was the what? The antitype of all Levitical uh, sacrifices. The priesthood of our Lord Jesus Christ in the heavenly sanctuary is the great antitype of the what? Levitical Priesthood. Now I'm going to ask a question here. Now you don't answer. We talk about it. Um, when does Christ's priestly ministry begin? When did it begin? When did his priestly ministry begin? Listen to the question. When he came to earth. Right? And, and, and uh, there's a reason why I'm saying because generally, even, even in my own mind, my mind always go to the time he went to heaven. But who conducts the work in the outer court? The priest. So all his life on earth was a what? Priestly ministry. So there's something that I need to, I don't fully understand, but I'll put it out there. There is a blending between the, the old and the new during the transfer. You follow? When Christ, was, when, Christ was, was, when Christ began his ministry on earth, were they still offering sacrifices? Yes, but Christ was already doing the work of the sanctuary. So there is this, there is this blending of the work and this transfer that we have to see. I, I don't totally understand it, but I just want us to understand that, something we each need to understand and look into. Because the old is still going on while the new has already begun. Yeah, what I'm saying, Christ was doing that. Yeah, that's no. What I'm saying is yeah, the portion of blending, how I, how I see that is because you have a work to do before you have to bring it to the priest. And like you're saying, how um, the Jews were still doing the work of the... The, the old sanctuary, because it was still there. Yes, I'm yeah. saying the work that, that we have to do, that is that old work. Because even when Christ came, he was transitioning them from doing the natural to the mm -hmm. spiritual. So us doing that natural work is now being put away, and now Christ is now taking up the, taking up the spiritual work. And that's what I'm saying. Those two blendings is made, that thought came to my mind with the, the two blendings. Hmm. Where, yeah, help. yeah it, it, they helped with that, because where Christ came, he now took up his portion and took it from, from man and doing their portion. Amen. Amen. Everybody understood what he said? Mm -hmm. All right. Though, if you don't understand, please ask a question. Val, I see your hand. 
from fall to, I mean, from winter. I mean, there's kind of no transition this year, but I understand what you're saying. <laughs> this year it was like the calendar said fall, and fall said yes, right? In between it, you might get a little heat. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yes. There's a transition that, that I think we all need to understand because there is a transition from the dead to the living, the judgment of the dead to the judgment of the living that we need to understand at the end of the world. And this is why I'm making this point. There's some transition that takes place and we have to see them kind of simultaneously. But then there comes a time when the old one is just done. Right, and and then you on to the new one. So, I just wanted to put that out there. Yeah. I was just see another uh, quote came from. She says that John was a link between the old and the new. Yes. So John John's work is that is that is that um transition in period. Yes. period. Yes. He so begins that transition. That might help if you look at John's work. Yes. Yeah, so There's the next work. Yeah, Amen. Um, now, praise God that the, this is a part of the point that there is always a reform before the change. Right? Keep that in mind. There is always a reform. Because you've been doing something for years and Christ is about to change it. So before you can change it, what does he have to do? He has to reform you. He has to prepare you for that change. Amen? All right. So let's continue. This, um, so you have the first covenant and the second covenant. Right? You have the old and the new. You have the type and the anti-type. You have the natural and the spiritual. I'm bringing all these things together. Now... I just want to show that there is a close connection between God's people and his sanctuary, right? And we see that in Daniel 8, 13, when it says, Then I heard one saint speaking, and another saint said unto that certain saint which spake, How long shall be the vision concerning the daily and the transgression of desolation to give both the what? Sanctuary, sanctuary and the what? Holes. There is a connection between God's people and his sanctuary, sanctuary right? I want us to see that connection. Anybody make up that preacher? Flatbush SD. Let's, let's keep moving. I just, yeah. Exodus, Exodus 25, verse 8. It says, And let them make me a what? That I may. There's your connection between the sanctuary and the, and the people. It's where God dwells. Amen? And, 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 and spiritually, who is the sanctuary? We are the sanctuary. Where does God want to dwell? There is a close connection between God's people, the sanctuary, and the people, which you are both the people and the sanctuary which he dwells in. Amen? The Lord brings them together. Right? So I want us to see this connection. So every time Christ does something in the sanctuary, it's closely connected to the work of his people. Everyone, the people has to have a corresponding work. Amen? All right. So let us continue. Um... Acts 7 and verse 48. It says, How be it, the Most High dwelleth not where? Not in temples made with hands. Right? So our connection to the sanctuary should be to which sanctuary? The one not made with hands. This is why Christ has to come and restore us to point us back to that sanctuary. Amen? It's about the temple made without hands. Acts 7 says, uh, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temple made 
with hands. I just wanted to put two witnesses there so that we understand that our minds should always be in the heavenly sanctuary. Amen? Because God does not dwell in the temple made with hands. It was only to teach of the place where he dwells. Amen? All right, Hebrews 8, verses 1, 2, 7, and 8 says, Now the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of, of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the what? True tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not, and not man. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there should have no place be sought for the second. For finding fault with them, he said, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a what? A new covenant. And that new covenant he made at the cross. Right? When he put away the old and he began with the new. So, continuing on. So, in, um, what is it? First Corinthians, was it in Corinthians? Yes, First Corinthians 15, 46, we saw that there was a, uh, a natural and there was a sure. spiritual. And we also saw from Hebrews that the, when the old sanctuary is taken away, it's the time of reformation, right? It was going to be taken away at the time of reformation. So the first, not the first, but this particular reformation is teaching us that we're going from a natural to the, to the spiritual, amen? It is sown in a natural body. It is raised in a spiritual body, right? Christ sold his message of the sanctuary in a natural sanctuary. Amen? But he's, he's intending to raise it up in the spiritual. This is where our minds need to go. So, uh, the heading says, from the earthly to the heavenly, or from the natural to the spiritual. All right. Review and Herald, uh, November 11, 1890, paragraph 7. Sister White says this. After the enemy had betrayed Adam and Eve, the connection between heaven and earth was what? Was severed. And had it not been for whom? Christ, Christ the what? The way, the way. Christ is the only way to heaven. Amen? The way to heaven would have never been known by the fallen race. Had Adam and Eve not fall, fall Christ needed not come to this earth. Amen? But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Christ is the mystic ladder, the base of which rests upon the earth, and whose topmost round reaches the throne of the infinite. The children of Adam are not left desolate and alienated from God, for through Christ's righteousness we have access unto the Father. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Right? The Lord did not leave us uh, desolate. Amen. By me, said Christ, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Let earth be glad. Let the inhabitants of the world rejoice that Christ has bridged the gulf which sin hath made and has bound earth and heaven together. A highway has been cast up for the ransom of the Lord. Thy way, O God, is in the... That's the highway that has been set up for us to get to the Father. Right? When you look at these charts, you have here... The holy and the most holy. Everything outside of it is the outer court. Right? All the truths on this chart is about the nations. Right? And the nations happen where? On this earth. Right? That's the outer court. Then you go into the, you have the holy and 
uh, the most holy. And the way, who, where, where does the Father sit? On the mercy seat. On the mercy seat. In which compartment? The most in the second compartment. But you can't get to the second compartment without going through the outer court, the holy, and the... That's the way the Lord has cast up for us. Through the sanctuary. Right? No other way to get to the Father but through the sanctuary. And praise God, on the way to the Father, it is impossible to miss the candlestick. It is impossible to miss the table of showbread. It is impossible to miss the altar. Amen? It's impossible to, to not see the altar of sacrifice in the, in the auto court on the way in. Right? This is why all, everyone must go to the cross. It is impossible to get to the Father but by the cross. Amen? This is why Christ had to come here and demonstrate that to us. All right? And he says, no man come into the Father but by? But by me. Right? The cross. The sanctuary. Amen? All right. Let's continue on. So this natural sanctuary was taken away. And Christ gave us a prophecy, right, uh, of, of the taking away of that sanctuary. And, 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 and as I said earlier, before Christ goes from the outer court, to the holy, there must be a reformation. Amen? Alright, so the Bible says, Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, and to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and the prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Once the most holy is anointed, it's no time for the messianic reformation. Amen? Continuing. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to do what? To restore and to build Jerusalem unto whom? Unto the Messiah because he has to come and do the restoration. Amen? The prince shall be seven weeks and three score and two weeks. The streets shall be built again and the walls even in troublous time. And after three score and two weeks shall the Messiah be cut off but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with the flood, and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice, and what? What system is that? It's the old system. It's the natural system. He shall cause that to cease, and for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it what? Desolate. Even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured out upon the desolate. All right. So in, in this next slide, I have here the full 90, right? As an as a, um, uh, illustration, right? So it says uh, seven weeks, three score and two weeks unto the Messiah, the Prince. Amen. Um, we know in the Bible, uh, prophetically, each day, is a, each day is a year. And how many days in one week? Seven. seven days. So seven weeks by seven days equals 49 days. Amen? Right? So that's 49 years. And then the other one, three score and two weeks is 62 weeks. Right? And that brings us down to 69 weeks. And you have one week left. Right? And it says, in the midst of the last week, he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to, to cease, pointing to his death on the cross. Amen? It was in the middle of the last week. Christ was on this earth for three and a half years. Amen? And then the second three and a half years was done by the disciples. Amen? 
So in the midst of that week, Christ perfectly fulfilled Daniel 9. Amen? All right, it, it, we can't, we can't um, miss it. So you have the anointing of the Messiah in 27 AD, the cutting off of the Messiah in 31 AD, and in 34 AD, the Jewish nation sealed their rejection in Christ, right, at the stoning of Stephen. All right? So, let us continue. So, it says, 70 weeks are cut off or determined for the Jews. Amen? Within those 70 years, they were to reform. That was the point of that 70 years. Right? Because it says, no death, it says, from the going forth of the commandment to do what? Restore. To reform. Yeah. Right? And to rebuild Jerusalem. And then he tells you Christ is going to come at the end to confirm the Reformation. This is what he's coming to see who had reformed, right? Who is ready um, to, 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 to go with him into the next uh, phase of the work of the sanctuary. Amen? All right. Next quote. Acts of the Apostles, uh, page 33, paragraph 3 says, As in the typical service, the high priest laid aside his pontifical robes, and officiated in the white linen dress of an, of an ordinary priest, so Christ laid aside his what? Royal robes and garbed himself with humanity and offered sacrifice, himself the priest, himself the victim. This goes back to the point that I made earlier. Once Christ took off his garment in heaven and came to earth, he began the priestly work. This is what this quote is teaching us. When the high priest changed, he began his priestly work. When Christ changed, he began his priestly work. Amen? All right. So, First Corinthians 15, 46, Howbeit, that, that was not first which is natural. spiritual, but that which is what? Natural. And afterward, that which is spiritual. Okay? All right. So, in Christ's line, when was Christ born? Christ was born in 4 B.C., right? Yes, because that's when his priestly work started. That is not what the quote said. Yep. As the high priest changed, so Christ changed. He changed from his uh, spiritual form and he became a babe, right? He came into the womb, amen? amen? He changed right here. So the 4 BC, this work begins, amen? amen. All right, and the, the, the quote tells us, the, the, the previous quote that we read tells us, uh, actually Daniel 9 Daniel 9 tells us that he was going to be uh, anointed. anointed, which was in what year? 27 AD. Then he was going to be killed, 31 AD. And, it, and then he's confirming it for one week, right? So it ended in 34 AD. Uh, a, D. And we know it's three and a half years to the cross. Three and a half years, the disciples stayed in Jerusalem preaching, and then Paul got the message, and he took it to the Gentiles. Amen? All right. So, if we go to Acts chapter 2, and verse 1, it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were in one accord. They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, 
and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the what? With the Holy Ghost. So when, they, when, when, when this period of history was closed, all of Christ's disciples was filled with the? The Holy Ghost. And this is what, when you come to the end of this line, you must see people there filled with the? Filled with the Holy Ghost, right? So, Matthew 23 and verse 38, they, if the old sanctuary is still, uh, still there, what can't happen? The new work can't happen, right? So what does Christ have to do with the old sanctuary? We just read it in Daniel uh, 9. Cause it to cease. Not only that, he says, and, and, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. the desolate, right? And so in Matthew 23, 38, he confirms those words when he tells them, Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. desolate. Amen? Amen? All right, yes, Aniron? Yeah, you, well, it's too, you, Senor, you, you probably, no, you probably could look at it two ways, right? Because the Lord can endow you with the ability to speak another language and never take it away. But you would only use it as the Spirit leads you to use it. You follow? So it's not like the Spirit hits you with it now and then you forget it five minutes later. Right? If the Lord, if the Lord give you a talent, you have the talent. No, that's the thing. They were, but they chose not to. This is what you must understand. When God gives you a talent, for instance, the Lord, let's suppose the Lord gives you a talent in mathematics. Now, you could use that for the benefit of God, but you could also use that to go in the stock market and, and decide to, to, to basically not, not illegally use it is what I want to say. Right? You could, because... That's what a lot of men do over time. Because they're good with numbers, they manipulate the numbers, and nobody is seeing what they're doing. You follow? But having, having a, the talent of mathematics is not wrong, right? It's great. You, you could do math, right? So yes, he, he gave it to them, and they used it for his glory, right? Whenever time um, afforded them. So um, the next quote, First Elected Messages, 68, paragraph. Point three, 63.6, sorry, says, There was a shut door where? In Christ's day. The Son of God declared to the unbelieving Jews of that generation that what? Your house is left unto you. So when Christ said your house is left unto you desolate, it was a shut door, right? And because we know the prophecies for one week, Christ was speaking of the end. Amen? Even though he pronounced it here, he's speaking to them of the end. Once you got to the end, everything is now left desolate, right? So, 34 AD, shut door. Right? And then, uh, what is that? 40 years later, the temple was destroyed. Amen? Yeah. 70 AD, 36. Yeah. Uh -huh. Oh. Yeah, that, yeah. Yes, amen. Amen. 
Yeah. Well, the Bible says Stephen had the Holy Spirit. So you know they didn't. Otherwise, they wouldn't have killed him. All right? So let's continue. So the point that I'm making is Christ came, he did a work, and then he went to heaven. Amen? And the disciples now were supposed to go with, to, go with him to heaven by. And to afford that, what did Christ give them? The Holy Spirit. Right? In order for them to make that journey with him, he gave them the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit was to explain to them what Christ was doing in heaven. Amen? All right, because we can't see in there, right? So, let us um, go now. How many, how many parts are there to the sanctuary? Two. All right, so there is a reformation that takes place to take you into the holy, right? Mm -hmm. And there should be a reformation that takes place to take you where? Into the most holy. Yes, amen. So let us continue. Daniel 8.13, it says, Then I heard one saint speaking, and another saint said unto that certain saint which spake, How long shall be the vision concerning the daily and the transgression of desolation to give both the sanctuary and the host to be trodden on the foot? And he said unto me, what? Unto 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. This is, this is Adventism. Amen? This is our foundation, right? This all Adventists must understand. That we must understand these transitions from the holy to the, from the outer court to the holy, and the holy to the... And also the reformation that must take place before you go into each. Amen? All right. So the 2300 days, we know, uh, is, 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 is uh, the broad prophecy that contains the 490, right? The one, this one, right? And the reason why Daniel was given this one is so that he could have get the starting point for the 2300 days. Because he didn't understand... The, the, the entirety of the prophecy. So the, so the angel came and gave him a small uh, portion of the prophecy to help him to understand. Amen? All right. So let's go to Great Controversy 352. It says, In the typical system, which was a shadow of the sacrifice of the priesthood of Christ, the cleansing of the sanctuary was which work? The last, the last service performed by the high priest in the yearly round of ministration. It was the what? Closing work of atonement. A removal or putting away of, of sin from Israel. It prefigured the closing work in the ministration of our high priest in heaven in the removal or blotting out of the sins of his people, which are registered in the heavenly records. This service involves a work of what? Investigation, a work of? Judgment, and it immediately precedes the second, the coming of Christ in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. For when he comes, every case has been decided, says Jesus, my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. It is this work of the judgment immediately preceding the second advent that is announced by which angel? angel. By the first angel's message of Revelation 14, 7. Fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment is come. So, the 2300 days, right? It, she says it takes us to what? To the judgment? Which includes an investigation.
this right here, 2,300 days. Amen? Unto 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. And the 2,300 days begins the same point as the 490. I know I don't have the 490 up here, but the 490 begins what year? 457 B.C. Right? And what happened in 457 B.C.? It was the third decree by, from the, by the Medes, right? So it's the third decree. Amen? All right. And if there's a third, then there's a what? A first decree and a second decree. Amen? All right. Let us continue. It says, the work of God in the earth presents from age to age a striking what? In every what? Great reformation or what? Religious movement. The principles of God's dealing with men are ever the same. So when Christ was going from the, whole, from the outer court to the holy place, there was a reformation. And if he's going now from the uh, holy place to the most holy, there must be a what? Because the work of God's dealing with men is? ever the same. And his movements in the past have their parallel where? I mean, his movements in the present have their parallel in the? Amen. In the past. Alright? And it says, um, have their parallel in those of the past. And the experience of the church in former ages has lessons of great value for our own time. So, great religious movement or great reformation. Right? Okay, let's look and see what Sister White tells us about this great religious awakening, our movement. Remember also that um, the judgment is proclaimed by which angel? First. The first angel. Amen? So, she says in GC 355, paragraph 1, a great religious what? Awakening. awakening under the proclamation of Christ's soon coming is foretold in the prophecy of which angel? The first angel. The first angel right? So she says the 2300 days takes us down to the judgment, but the first angel announces that judgment. Amen? So we're going to put right here the first angel. And she says the first angel announces that judgment, and that movement, she says, is a great religious, a great religious awakening, right? And she says the dealings of God is, is the same in every great reformation or religious. So this was a what? A reformation. Amen? Just before Christ goes into the sanctuary, uh, into the most holy place, there must be a, a great religious movement. Amen? Connor, go ahead. Yes. 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 Most holy. Where he's making these transitions. Everybody's following? Amen? All right. Stay, stay, stay with me. Don't, don't fall asleep. All right. So it says, An angel is seen flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. With a loud voice, he proclaims the message, Fear God and give glory to him for the what? 
of his judgment is come and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. What was his message? Repent ye for the kingdom is at hand. Uh, we'll come back to it. In CTR, uh, what is CTR? Christ triumphant. Page 340, paragraph 3, it says, and, and he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot upon the earth. The message of Revelation 14, proclaiming the hour of God's judgment is come, is given in the time of the what? In the time of the end. The angel of Revelation 10 is represented as having one foot on the sea and one foot on the earth showing what? That the message will be carried where? To distant lands. So the Revelation 10 and Revelation 14 is the same angel. Right? Revelation 14 angel says, Every nation, kindred, tongue, and... Is that the whole world? Yes. Revelation 10, she says, That angel, he's announcing the same message to go where? By putting one foot on the sea and one foot on the earth, he's demonstrating that whatever he was about to teach was to go to the whole world. Amen? All right. Uh, it says that there should be time no longer. This message announcing the end of what? Prophetic periods. The disappointment of those who expected to see the Lord in 1844 was indeed bitter to, the, bitter to those who had so ardently looked for His coming. It was in the or, appearing. It was in the Lord's order that this disappointment should come and that heart should be what? Alright, so she gives us she gives us this time period, right? She says, 1844, time no longer. Amen? Amen. But we know that the first angel arrived in what year? 1798, right? So from 1798 to 1844 was to be that great religious movement, the, the reformation that takes place before Christ goes into the most holy. Most holy. And God tells the end from the, from the beginning. Amen? This Three decrees was received coming out of where? Where were they coming out of? Out of Babylon. Out of Babylon. Amen? And the first decree was given in the year what? 536 B.C. Right? Cyrus gave the first decree. Darius the second. Artaxerxes the third. Coming out of Babylon, was that a great reformation? God, they, they were to be reformed coming out of Babylon to receive whom? Christ. Remember, it says 70 weeks were determined. Yeah. Amen? The 70 weeks began where? 457. Right? So let, let us put, put it in there. Right? The 70 weeks began the same time as the 2300 days. And it took them to 27 because they were to anoint the, 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 the most holy. Right? He was going to be cut off. Right? Just like up here. And then it was going to end. Right? Uh, in 34, right? So from 4 BC to yes, to 34 would be the 70 weeks. Amen? Out of 490 days. Everybody's following? Reformation begins the 490. Reformation ends the 490. 
Reformation begins the 2300 days. Reformation ends the 2300 days. Everyone's following? At the end, three decrees. Instead, you have the first, second, and third angel's messages. Right? And you come down to the end, you have the third angel's message. All right? Everyone's following? Yeah. Sasha, I see you. All right. So, um, can we skip this one? Yes, we can skip this one. All right. So you go to Matthew 25 and verse 10. You know, she says, The parable of the ten virgins illustrate the experience of the Adventist people. And it's, a, it's an illustration that takes place between 1798 and 1844. Amen? Because the first time you had Advent people on the earth, so to speak, was during that time, right? Because they had the message of what? Of the coming, right? Of the second coming. No, nobody before 1798 in, 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 in this specific sense taught the second coming. Yes, people understood that Christ was going to come again because he said, I go to prepare and I will what? So everybody after that had the sense of him coming again. But not until 1798 was a message, right? Specifically says he's coming, right? So 1798, you have the Advent people, amen? So the parable of the ten virgins is about Advent people. And it says this, And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went into the marriage with him, and the door was? So what do you have at the end of the parable? Shut door. So when Christ goes from the holy to the most holy, what do you, from the outer court to the holy, what do you have? A shut door. Come down, he goes from the holy to the most holy, what do you now have? A shut door. Amen? All right. Continuing on. What do you have? Amen. Everyone's following? Everyone's following? Everyone see what he just said? Yeah, that, that's, that's nice. Even though I have it in here, I didn't see that. So, next quote. She says, Sabbath, March 24, 1849, we had a sweet and very interesting meeting with the brethren at Topsham, Maine. The Holy Ghost was what? Poured out upon us. And I was taken off in the spirit to the city of the living God. Then I was shown the commandments of God and the testimony of Jesus relating to the shut door could not be separated. And that the time for the commandments of God to shine out with all their importance and for God's people to be tried on the Sabbath truth was when the door was what? Opened where? In the most holy place of the heavenly sanctuary where the ark is and are contained the Ten Commandments. So you have a shut door, but you also have an open door, right? The door to the most holy was open, and the door to the holy was shut. shut. She's going to say that. This door was not open until the mediation of Jesus was finished in the holy place of the sanctuary in what year? 1844, she tells us. Then Jesus rose up and did what? Shut the door of the holy place and opened the door into the most holy and passed within the second veil, where, he's now, where he now stands behind the ark, and where faith of where the faith of Israel now reaches. All right. So most of these I have it on the board. All right. Just showing this this top line, and and the line below it just shows Millerite history. You have the Great Religious Awakening, and it ends on October twenty second, eighteen forty four. Amen. All right. And the reason why 
it's there August 11, 1840, because it's Revelation 10. The angel, one foot on the sea, one foot on the sea. She says that's no less a personage than Jesus Christ. Who came for the Jews during their Reformation? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Amen? All right. Let's just read the bold in this one, if you could find it. She says, there was a shut door in whose day? Noah's day. This is what Romario just said. Drop down to the next bowl. She says, there was a shut door in the days of Abraham. Right? She's speaking of Sodom. Right? Then she says, there was a shut door in Christ's day. We read that part already. And she says, looking down the stream of time to the last days, the same infinite power proclaimed through John, these things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man, which brings us to October 22nd, right? Because that door was open and the door was closed. He that openeth and no man shutteth, and, and closeth and no man openeth. And we just read, he did those things on October 22nd, 1844. So, all these, she's highlighting the shut doors. If we want to find them, they're in the scriptures. Amen? And then she says, I was shown in vision, and I still believe that there was a shut door in 1844. All who saw the light of the first and what? Second angel's messages and rejected that light were left where? In darkness. And those who accepted it received what? So what, what do they have in, um, in 1844? The Holy Spirit. So, just like closing the door to the other court or entering the, the, the holy place, you have the Holy Spirit and you have a shut door. Come to October 22nd, what do you have? A shut door and the Holy Spirit. But there's a judgment. Also, on October, was there a judgment? When they closed the door of the holy place. Amen. Go to the next uh, page slide. We're on the next slide. It says, as Stephen stood face to face with his what? Judges. With his judges. Right? Marking that right here, 34 AD, there was a, there was a judgment. Amen. So you also have this judgment. All right, so continuing on. Let's drop down to the next quote. It says, When Stephen was questioned as to the truth of the charges against him, he began his defense in a clear, thrilling voice, which rang through the council hall. In, in words that held the assembly spellbound, he proceeded to do what? So what happens when you, just before Christ goes in, what does he do? He rehearses the history. Amen? Praise God. Yes. Went in with him. Amen? Amen. All right. Everybody, I know Canada I, I, is getting it, but I want everyone to get it. Yes? What do you mean? Yeah, I hear what you're saying. We'll, we'll talk about it in a subsequent broadcast. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I do have a thought with that too, but we'll talk about that in a subsequent um, sit down, right? So hold your question. It says, um, he rehearsed the history of the chosen people of God. He showed a thorough knowledge of what? Of the Jewish economy and the what? The spiritual interpretation. Why? Because he had the Holy Ghost. 
Everyone's following? He could now take everything that happened before and give it a spiritual interpretation. Amen? All right. Continuing on. Uh, spiritual interpretation of it now made manifest through Christ. He repeated the words of whom? Moses and did what? Foretold of the Messiah, right? Drop down to the next bowl. He connected Jesus Christ with all the Jewish history. He referred to the building of the temple by Solomon and to the words of both Solomon and Isaiah, howbeit the Most High dwelleth where? Not in temples made with? Right here, Stephen taught them that Christ was going in. Right? He taught them that Christ was beginning a work in the holy place and that if they didn't come into this work, their house was left unto them desolate. He repeated the message of Christ. Amen? All right. So, when Christ went into the holy place, he had a reformation, and he repeated the history before he went in. And like Canard says, he has to do the same thing October 22nd. Because the principles of God's dealing with men is, Alyssa, ever the same, right? He says, I am the Lord, I, I change not. Because if, if the Lord slices and dices it anyway, we would not be saved. So as children, he's going to repeat everything for us over and over and over. Amen? Canard. Yes. Yes. So when you go to middle of history, it's like April 19th. That's what Michelle was saying. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. All right. Praise God. Yes. Before he left, he, he rehearsed it for them for 40 days, right? Amen. So let's go to Revelation 11. Revelation 10 is about the Adventist people. Amen? We just went, went, went into that. So Revelation 11 is continuing the experience of the Adventist people. I want us to see that. It says, and there was given me. Who is the me? John. John illustrates whom? The Adventist people. Those who are given a message about the second coming. So John says, and there was given me a reed like a rod. And the angel stood and said what? Rise, measure the temple of God and the altar and them which worship where? Inside the temple. Right? What point did Christ go into the temple? At his, at his, at his death. After his death, right? 31. And, and the disciples went in how? With him. So when John is told this in Millerite history, he was to measure those who went where? In with him. Okay? Which means from 1798 to 1844, there was a group of people in the, the sanctuary with Christ. Amen? And John is told, measure those people. Right? And then it says, but the court, which is without, leave out, it is for the what? For the Gentiles and the holy city, they shall tread on the foot for 40 and 2 months. And the 42 months, without going into great detail, is the period of the 1260 years that leads up to 17. 98, right? So this 1260 years right here from 538 AD to 1798. John is told, leave out this history and measure this history, the people that's in there with Christ. It makes sense now why Christ would shut the door to the holy place and open the door to the most holy place. Why? 
no one could come in. Because he's measured those that were already in. Right? And if you weren't in, you didn't get measured. Right? So you come to 1844 and the door is, the door is shut. No more, no more people going in and out of the holy place. Right? That work is done. So, John, yes? Yes. Amen. So, praise God. John, representing Adventists in 1844, is told to look back and measure this history. And this is what Kunal was saying. Before Christ began that work, what they were to do? Review their history. Amen. Review the first and second angels' messages. So, holy place, review. Most holy place, was there? Another review. Amen? Now, let's read this last quote. There was a shut door in Noah's time. There was a shut door to the unbelievers of the destruction of Sodom, but an open door to Lot. There was a shut door to the inhabitants of Tyrus, a shut door to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, to those who disbelieve, but an open door to the humble. The believing, those who what? Obeyed God. Thus it will be when? Notice she wrote that in 1885, long after October 22nd. So she's saying, at the end of the world, Christ is going to have another shut door. What must happen before there's a shut door? Another reformation. Right? And hence, we come down to our history, and there must be a final reformation before Christ comes out of the heavenly sanctuary. Because why? He's making another change. Right? So if we just trace the sanctuary, we can see all the reformations. Amen? Just follow him through the sanctuary. That way, oh God, is in the sanctuary. And thus, our premise for our reform lines is founded in the foundation of Seventh-day Adventism. Amen? Amen? And we can go forward with that faith, knowing full well that what we teach is given to us by God. Amen? Amen? There's one more reformation that's missing. Anybody know what it is? One I didn't talk about. No, no, no. No, no, no. The one, that, the one that makes you enter into the sanctuary, period. The one that begins the outer court work. When God gave Moses the sanctuary, were they reformed in Egypt? No, they were reformed. Yeah. Well, the line of Moses is what? It's a reformation that led them to the sanctuary in the first place. Right? So there's a reformation for God to even introduce the sanctuary to you. And hence our line. The line of Moses. The line of Christ. The line of Moses opens the door to the sanctuary. Amen? The line of Christ opens the door to the holy place. The line of the Millerites opens the door to the... And the last line, our line, the Sunday law, the end of the world, is going to bring Christ out of the sanctuary and open the door to heaven. Because this is the next step. When Christ finishes this work, he's taking the people where? To heaven, to heaven with him. Amen? Amen? Amen. So I trust that, um, that we did get a little better understanding of, 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 of reform line and how the Lord, the, Lord, the Lord has given us the proof, right? And we can stand firm. On, on, on what we teach, we can stand firm on what we understand, 
And this message, we have to take back to the masses, to the great mass of Seventh-day Adventists. Amen? All right, shall we close with a word of prayer? Merciful Father, Lord, we are grateful for uh, these truths that you open up to us, Lord, constantly. We pray and ask, Lord, that you'll please um, help us, Lord, to fall on the rock and be broken. Help us, Lord, to lay prostrate before you, that, that we can receive even more of these things from you, Lord. We thank you uh, for this blessed gathering on your holy Sabbath day. We pray and ask, Lord, that as we fellowship one with another, that the Holy Spirit will grace us and that, Lord, we'll have sweet fellowship uh, first with you, for this day is for communion with you. And so, Lord, together with, with, with each other, as we commune with you, please forgive us for our sins. If there is anything, Lord, taught here today that are wrong, I pray, Lord, that you'll bring it to our attention, that we may correct it, and that, that we may uh, continue to press on towards the mark of the high calling. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.